0: Let's let's linger for a moment, if we would, on the magnitude of God's grace and truth that we were just singing about, that we were proclaiming through the words of of the closing line of that song, how God's abundant grace, how his mercy, how his love on how, how all the characteristics of God, how all the names of God that we've been listening to the last several weeks is is exemplified in the songs that were selected this morning to help us um, really experience God in a a different way. What a a spectacular picture of God as our provider. Think about it. Every song this morning resonates with the biblical truths of of His beauty, of His mercy, of His love, of His uh, grace. We, We sometimes are so flippant about God's provision Yet we come and we sing week after week. We sing that, Lord, you're so beautiful. Your, your face is all I see. Is that really true in our experience? It, it, do, we, do we really embrace that which, um, that which is grace, which is abounding to us, which is um, so expansive that we can't even get our heads around it. We can't even get our arms around it. It's hard for us to get a grasp. Do we experience them that way? Do you know and trust God in that way is my question for you this morning as we as we continue to worship him by looking at, at what he says to us through his word do you look and know as God uh, as your soul provider, soul, sole provider s o l e your only provider the only one who provides for you solely singularly and and then and the other aspect do you know God, as your soul provider, your s o u l you know that thing that 's in your inner being, that that, that stuff that 's just in there, the very spiritual dimension of of our soul is God your soul provider that way? We sing about it, we talk about it a lot. do we really experientially move it um, and, and embrace that well well, today this morning uh, we 're reflecting on that very fact, the biblical truth that amplifies another name and characteristic of God. And and that is the one who is our provider. This idea of being so satisfied with the presence of God in our life. So um, when we look at this, this is first illustrated in the beginning of time, noted in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Through God's creation, we see God providing all these things. And in the very few first chapters, it documents how God made everything. I mean, he's spoken into being. We have creation today because God made it so. He said, let's have this, and and it happened. And so uh, the first chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, documents that. And through him, we know that all the heavens and all the earth were made, and God just provided it all. Well, a little later in Genesis, the story of a man named Abraham is told. And to get the context and the full story behind Abraham, you have to really start in Genesis chapter 12, because that's when it starts talking about Abraham, and read through to um, uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 10. Verse 10, it talks about Abraham dying. So those 13 chapters will put the context of this story behind this character that we've come to know as Abraham. And so um, this morning, I don't have time to, to go all through that with you. But let me let me ask you this. Um, this afternoon, well, it's pretty nice out today. So in your devotion times this week, okay? do yourself a favor and look at those thirteen point10 chapters, okay? 13 chapters, 12 to 25. Yeah, my math is right. Look at those 13 chapters and read the context of Abraham's life because it's significant in our Christian faith. It's rich with symbolism, and there's so many things in there that I can't go in this morning, but it's well worth a read. Do yourself a favor and pay some attention to that this week. Okay? It will be. She wore you out, didn't she? You know, it was such a great warm up acting. Had you guys all. Okay. Reading that will be priceless. Okay, well, um, anyway, Abraham, this guy, has a serious life encounter with God's miraculous provision that literally changed the course of his life. Robert changed the water course of his life. He was going one way and God said, nope, we're going to do something else. Now follow along with me as we pick up the story in chapter 22, beginning in the first verse. So read along with me. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Now, something here I want you to note. God spoke, and what happened? He didn't go to Abraham's message machine. He responded. He answered the call, and he says, here I am. And then God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on that on that one mountain, on one of the mountains which I will show you. And Abraham said, "What? Hello, I, we're breaking up, God. I, I can't. I can't quite." You said to do, do what? You, you think he's going to have a faith crisis here? Wait, wait. The story unfolds. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. When he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out in the place God had told him about, And then on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Now, a contemporary reading of this would equate to Abraham got up that morning, he loaded his SUV, he got his homies to jump in the car with him, he set the garment on where they were supposed to go generally, He stopped at Giant Eagle and he bought some wood for the campfire later on and they jumped in and they took off. Okay? Three three days later, they, they came to that place. Okay? Let's continue. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham said to the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, son, Abraham replied. Well, um, I was just wondering, we have the fire and we have the wood, uh, but I was just wondering, um, where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Now, I said that very calmly. I'm not sure Isaac was really that composed when he was talking to his father about Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Can I go back and get in the SUV and staying back with those other guys? Here's Abraham's response. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. And that was a profound thing because Abraham is still thinking and believing that um, something bad is about to happen. When they arrived at the place where God had told him, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, today, we really think about this being so barbaric. Uh, human sacrifice has been practiced for centuries across the world, and uh, it was a little more commonplace at this time, but not in our Christian faith. We just didn't do that. Um, but this is like really kind of an unbelievable thing. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven Abraham, Abraham. Now, that's my imitation of God voice. I think that's what the angel of the Lord would sound like, but um, I'm sorry, that's as good as it gets on my imitations. And Abraham says, Yes, here I am. That's the second time he said, Yes. Here I am, he responds to God. Now, it might have been, Yes, Lord, here I am. What else do you want? I'm not sure. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham then named the place. Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord will provide God is my provider and to this very day we know God as one of those names and that place on that mountain is still there and it's still used in proverbs pray with me Father we are so oh, we are so struck by your goodness and your provision and I pray that you speak to us this morning to provide the very words that we need to hear to see your beauty to understand you as jesus the first and the last to exemplify and and, and embrace your very beauty and your very glory as we continue to worship you today amen well listen I, i know we all have a story or two written in our lives that is similar to to this guy we know as abraham where we're tested where we're challenged, where our faith in God is, is absolutely pushed and stretched beyond the limits. Some of us maybe have already experienced some of them, and for others, they are yet to come. And all God's people said, oh boy. Uh, you know, um, not, oh boy, some tests are coming. it's, oh man. Are you kidding me? I don't like that expression, my faith walk. That's the part of the Christian walk that I find very difficult. How about you? But they're coming. So uh, most of our stories might not be as extreme as this this one that we've seen in in Genesis 22 with Abraham. But let me tell you something. Our experiences and the testing and the challenging of our faith are as real and as true as the one that we just read about. Now, I I know in my own life I had one of these I am the God that provides for you experience that I'll I'll never forget. It marked literally a turning point in my faith walk going from what I thought I believed to what I would sing about and confess that I believed to it became something that I experientially believed in real time and in living color. It was back in the fall of 1987. Earlier that year, I had uh, lost... uh, My job had been downsized. I had been cost optimized or whatever pretty face that you put on it when your job disappears. Okay. I was fired from my job. It wasn't because I was doing a bad job. You'll have to believe me on that. But, uh, um, yep, cost optimization. That was a fancy word for we're firing a bunch of people. Um, So to feed my family, I started my own service company. Which is a fancy way of saying that I began painting houses for a living, um, because you know I needed some cash flow. And as the warmer weather wound down, I did some painting jobs, but um, the prospects of the jobs started to dry up, and uh, the pipeline went to zero. It, w- it was empty. So, um, you know, to say that money was tight in my household, my wife's over there. You can verify this with her later. Is an understatement. So one afternoon as I was home um, sitting at the kitchen table by myself, I was trying to decide um, which bills to pay and which ones to delay. And I started crying. Anxiety like I had never experienced before just gripped me. My head felt like it was in this pressure vise. You know the kind of um, mind sweats that paralyze you where where you you just can't do anything? You know, I was at the end of my rope and and, uh, finally yelled out to God, God, I can't do this anymore. If you want my car, just take it. You can have it. Because the bill that I was trying to write was my car payment. Well, the Holy Spirit then um, spoke to me, not audibly, but spoke to me in my mind and, and in my heart, that inner being that we talk about. And he told me to get up and, and go look at the car in the garage. Now this isn't as dramatic as Abraham's story, but um, this is the best I got. So this is um, what's gonna happen. So he says, get up and, and go out to the garage and, and look at the car. What? You, there's nobody here. What? So finally, after much debate in my mind, Uh, I did as he said. And I got up and I walked out into the garage and I looked at the car. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, That's not your car. That's my car. And then he went on and he said, And I own all the cars in the world. And guess what? I don't want your car, I don't need your car. I just want you to be clear on who really owns it. I don't want you to be confused about that anymore. Hmm. Then I felt prompted to walk back into the house, and he had me walk around the house. And uh, he made me look at all the stuff in my house. He, I looked at the furniture, I looked at the appliances. He made me think about the electricity, which is something we take for granted. I understand we only had one service last week because of uh, a power outage here. I was glad about that when I spoke at the first service because we had a nice crowd. Um, But the electricity we take for granted, um, even the air we breathe, we know that God created. He owns all of that. He has just given it to us as a provision, as a sustaining. And so again, I hear this prompting of saying, hey, guess what? I own all the houses that have ever been made and that ever will be made. And guess what? All the stuff in them is mine too. I don't want your house. I don't want your car. What I really want is your heart. Have you ever been skewered, you know, by the Holy Spirit like that? That just pierced me right in the spirit. I want you. You know, Uncle Sam, we see that poster that says, I want you. America didn't start that. The angel of the Lord did that way back in Abraham's time. And he says, hey, I want you. You know what? He's still saying that to us today. Well, here's my response. (laughs) I cried some more. And then for the first time in my life, I went back and I sat down at my kitchen table. And I finished paying my bills with gratitude instead of drudgery with tears running down my face because for the first time I would experienced a joy and a sense of thanksgiving that I had never had before as I paid for all that stuff. Well, the lesson I learned and the lesson I continue to learn is found in Psalm 50. Look with me at what it says in Psalm 50. It says, but I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens for all the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. I do not eat the meat of bulls, do not drink the blood of goats. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you've made to the most high. Punchline, then call on me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you, says God. And you will give me glory. We sang about that some this morning, didn't we? Well, here we got it. The creator of the universe already owns it all. He's in control of everything. Nothing goes unnoticed by him. Whether you believe it or not, scripture says God even knows the number of hairs on your head. Says that in Matthew 10.30. Now, as I look around, it's the lights up here, um, it's kind of hard to see some of you, but I see some reflections off of some of the chrome domes, some of the cue balls out there. Now, I understand I just... They're waving. I understand I just insulted half the guys on the worship team that were up here this morning. Jay, I'm sorry. You know, you're know, you supposed to be nice to the worship team. Um, Denise was kidding around with her husband who's running the sound back there today. You have to be nice to your sound men or else they'll do crazy things to you while you're up here. You'd be nice to the to the slide person who's running that because there's a lot of support in pulling something else like that off. But, you know, for, for some of you out there, God, knowing the number of hairs on your head really isn't that big of a challenge. I'm sorry. Now, to all the bald guys in the room who are not laughing, let me apologize. But they've already experienced the truth of that song that we sing. He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You see, we don't make the choice of proclaiming and blessing God's name in our circumstances. We don't do it by our understanding. We don't do it by our mind. I can't figure out what God's doing. And I'm glad because he'd be way too small if I could. It's a heart choice. It's a faith choice. It's it's a step of confidence, just as we had seen with Abraham's story saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me wherever you want me to go because I'm willing to do that. So our response of this I will bless the Lord at all times is not in our head, it's not in our minds, it's not in our understanding because it's beyond our limited capacity to understand. It's a simple act of obedience. It's the nurturing of this thing that we call faith. Well, let me just finish the rest of the story I started earlier. It, It came a couple of months later. Again, a customer called me on a Sunday evening to cancel a job that I was supposed to start the next morning. Now, my challenge, my faith test in this one was um, that I had already counted on the money to pay for my mortgage that month. And so, as I watched the house payment fly out the window, and again, no other jobs lined up. I wasn't very good at marketing at the time. I promptly, as the mighty man of faith that I am, fell into a depression and, and didn't get out of bed the whole next day. Fear of failure, guilt, shame had all a hold on me that literally just made me go numb and and so I tried everything I was crying I tried crying Um, I started fasting I was fasting I was pleading pleading is a common form of prayer that we see a lot these days I was pleading Uh, I was a basket case moping around for days on end Again, the spirit of the Lord comes back and he reminds me of his provision and my need simply to trust him. So I read over and over again the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians. If you need an encouragement this week, I want you to read Philippians, uh, the book of Philippians. But here's what it says in chapter four. Um, In verse six, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as we live in our Savior, Christ Jesus. Um, Hypertext to verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. This is Paul's testimony now. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's something that we need to learn how to do. Because there's times where we're going to have everything. And there's probably some other times where we're going to be hungry. But we have to remember that through Christ. Through his strength and through God's provision. We can do what he calls us to do. Verse 19. Here's the, here's the punchline. And this same God who takes care of me. Will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Which have been given to us. They've been given to us. In Christ Jesus first and the last is Jesus so in my experience as God would have it um, within a week my phone rang and I was called to assist on a consulting project that ended up resulting in about three months salary and uh, later on led to a whole nother career transition for me in my life and so once again I learn firsthand, as I'm continually learning, that God is the one who provides for me. Now listen, we all have needs, and repeatedly the Bible says that God has promised to meet all of our needs. So what does that include? Well, as we're learning, it includes everything. Our emotional needs, our financial needs, our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our relational needs, every need in our life. The obvious question then that we have to address is how do we learn to trust God to meet all those needs that we have? They're, they're, they're legitimate. How do I learn to have this thing called faith? Well, faith is um, a, an interesting substance. You don't get it from sitting in a Bible study group. You don't get it by wishing or hoping or thinking. Uh, you don't get it by just coming to church and going through the motions. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a development. Faith, let me give you an illustration. Faith is kind of like a muscle. Um, a muscle that goes unused um, atrophies it, it it stops working but um, but when we use them, it means it 's it's de- it's developed, and the more you use a muscle, the stronger you get so um, you know when you exercise and, and you exercise your muscles, you you know you, you get stronger. This was the heaviest prop that I could find that I could do without hurting myself at my age, so I have to kind of bear with me but it 's this idea that The more you exercise, the stronger you get. Well, the more we use that little bit of faith that God has given us, the more it gets stretched and it grows. That's why I want you to read Abraham's story. Now, we we often call the circumstances that God allows to stretch our faith trials. Trials is a nice church word. In the secular market, they're called a lot of other things, but with this crowd, we're gonna use the word trials, okay? That's safe for our church experience this morning. And The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.7, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests the purify, and purifies gold. Now, I don't always like that part, but it does that. Through your faith, um, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. We heard that earlier. Denise would say it is priceless. Right. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... It, may, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Huh. So let's just quickly take a look at it. what are some of the most common trials, the challenges of modern life, in modern life that we face every day. What are those? Well, a big one that comes to mind first and foremost is um, pressure of the speed of life today. Now, we, we commonly now call it stress. Okay, We read about stress and we experience stress in, in all these things. The challenge is, um, how will I handle stress? Will I depend on myself or will I depend on God? Will I turn to other things or will I turn and trust in God? Um, as we saw earlier, Psalm 5015 says, I want you to trust me in your times of trouble so I can rescue you and you can give him glory. Um, God says he wants us to turn to him. He says, I want you to turn to me when you're you're in trouble, not to other things. Do we do that? Okay, you're in church now, so you have to be honest for the hour. Do we do that? No, no, we don't do that. We usually have God about number nine or number ten on the list, don't we? We turn to everything else to relieve our stress before we turn to God. Now, some of you say, I know better. When I get under stress, I know what I need. I need one of those little pills. If I have just one of those little pills, it'll relieve my strength. So I go to the medicine cabin, and I get that little pill, and I won't be stressed. But you know what? It doesn't last. I know what I'll do. I'm all tense and nervous about my problems. I'll call my friends and complain about my circumstances. But once you hang up, you're still all stressed out. I know what I'll do. I'll make some nachos. Now, I, I'm confessing, I'm a stress eater. So uh, that's pure confession about me. I'm a stress eater. So, and, and as you can see, I've been stressed lately, so hence, hence the baggy shirt. So we make some nachos, we pop them in the microwave, we nuke them, we gobble them up, our tummy is full, but guess what, we still have the same problems. And if you're a guy like me, over the age of 35... <laughs> That's the best joke I told all morning. Um, Then you have another problem when you eat too many nachos. Well, I know what I do, you'll say. uh, I'll go shopping. Or I'll sit down and I'll watch a game and watch TV. Or I'll work out or something. Have I hit most of you somewhere in the bread basket with, with these things that we do to try to relieve our stress? We all have our little stress relievers. And along about night, God comes and God says... I want you to turn to me. Now, you know, I'm having some fun with you this morning. Church should be fun, I think. And that's not to discount the legitimate needs in our lives that need to be met. But one of the problems is we tend to be in a hurry. The speed of life makes us really hurry on a lot of things. You know, if God doesn't instantly give us the answer we want, We make our own plan and try to meet our own needs all by ourselves. We do it all the time. We short-circuit God's will by going for the quick solution, the the cheap thrill, the the instant hit, the fast relief that's only a temporary fix. We don't wait for God's will to unfold in our lives. We don't wait for His Spirit to penetrate ours and, and to discern what He's really saying and follow after that. Look at what uh, how Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, talks about this in chapter 2. My people have done two evils. They have turned away from me, number one, the, sp- uh, the spring of living water. And we sang about that, Jesus, the living water today. And they've dug their own wells, which are broken wells that cannot hold water. Uh, just take a trip with me. Imagine this. You're walking through the Sahara de- Desert for days with no water and no shade. Now... You probably wouldn't have to go to the Sahara Desert lately with the weather we've been having. Just say you're in central Ohio walking through the desert for days with no water and no shade. You know, your throat gets parched, your tongue, it starts to swell, and you think you're going to die if you don't get some water. So you come over the sand dune, and immediately you see this neon sign flashing. It's flashing, God's free, unlimited, everlasting, fulfilling, living water. This is my illustration for a flashing neon sign. So that's all the visuals I have. I'm sorry I couldn't find a slide for that. But um, this, okay, so it's saying free living water. But do you walk up and do you ask for a drink? No. We walk right on past it and talk to the guy who's next to it and say, hey, hey, you got a shovel? And we pick up the shovel and we go over and we start digging our own well because we're bound and determined to get our own water. Our own way. You know, even worse. Rob, here's the crazy thing. We have the audacity as we're digging to ask God to help our efforts and to bless our work. It's crazy. Have you ever done that? Yes, you have. You get into a relationship, you know it's wrong, and then you pray, God, please bless this relationship. Or you go out and you buy things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't like. You get overextended in debt and then come back and say, God, please bless my finances. I have a financial need. How many times do we do that? We try to turn a desire, something we want, into a need. We figure out our own scheme and ask God to bless our plans. Guess what? God is not going to do it. Not going to do it. He he won't do it. He won't have any part of it. Now, now I know some of you right now are struggling with financial pressure and the temptation to cut corners, maybe to be unscrupulous, uh, stop tithing, cheat on your taxes, do an unethical business deal, anything to get out of debt. Guess what? You're building a well that won't hold water. Some of you are under tremendous emotional pressure. You don't turn to God, you reach for that bottle. Or well, we, we reach for those for those substances. Oh God, please bless my circumstances. That that temporary try to quick fix relief. We're digging a well that's not going to hold any water. It's a quick fix. It doesn't solve the problem. So, what's the answer? What's God's word say to us for the answer? we we'll look again at, at, at Proverbs. Here's what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Isaiah 50.10 says it this way, if you're walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Let me ask you, is your God big enough today? Is your expectation, your faith, and, and your realization of God big enough today to meet the needs that you have? If not, you need a different definition. You need to start broadening your expectation, your understanding of who the God of the universe really is. God sees that we're under stress. So we're learning. Are we learning to turn to him? Are we going to turn to other things? I mean, it's a simple matter of he's saying, will you trust me? And he is trustworthy. Well, You know, as we're talking about these challenges and other common challenges, how do we handle disappointment? You know, life is um, disappointing a lot of the times. Careers, events, marriages, our plans for the future often don't turn out the way we expect or the way that we had hoped. Sometimes the most disappointing things in our life are people, the people around us. Why? Well, it's often because we expect them to meet a need that only God can fill in our lives. Maybe you've thought in the past, if I could only get married, then I would, f- I would be fulfilled and my life would be more satisfying. Or if only my wife or if only my husband were a little different, then my problems would be solved. If they would only change. If my children were different, maybe if they were like the neighbors, more like the neighbor's children, I'd be more content. Or, um, you know, if I had a different set of parents. Uh, life would be so much better off. Yeah? The problem is not the people in our lives. The problem is our response to them. The answer to our insecurity, the answer to our worries, to our fears, to our depression, our our dissatisfaction, our discouragement, our sense of failure, our boredom, our lack of purpose is not another person. Here's the answer. The answer is God. When you expect another person to be your savior, you're setting yourself up for a major, major disappointment. The Bible says it this way in Isaiah 2.22, that we should stop trusting in people to save us because people are only human. Listen, there's only one savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. First and last, not ninth or tenth. First and last. Jeremiah 17, 7 says it this way. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made him, not other people. Their hope and confidence. What happens if you do this? We'll look at God's promise in Isaiah 49, 23. It says, anyone who trusts me will not be disappointed. Do you believe that? Is your relationship with God like that? Or are you disappointed with God this morning? He's challenging us to, to, to broaden our definition to see him as the God who is the one who provides that that element of how do we find our our satisfaction in that. Well, you know, uh, I try to change my response towards people who frustrate me by praying for them. Um, I don't know about you, but there's some people that that I often run across that frustrate me. They don't meet my expectations. And so um, you know, oftentimes our, our response is we, we judge them, we gossip, we do something else, um, but nothing positive. And so I'm trying to change that. And one of the things I try to do then is, is to try, pray for people or, or pray about circumstances that I'm frustrated with. Well, I had a cool experience just last month. Um, can we do the slide? That, that is one of those things that is um, just it's kind of unexplainable. Um, I had the privilege of being invited to do the invocation at the Ohio House. And so on my right is the the Ohio State um, Speaker of the House, um, Mr. Back Elder, uh, William Back Elder. And on my left is um, Ann Gonzalez, State Rep. Ann Gonzalez, who represents State District 19 here in the the Westerville and and, in greater Westerville area. And... uh, Time doesn't allow me to go through and tell you all the circumstances behind this. You can, you can ask me about that later because it's kind of a funny story. But I brought this to as just as an illustration of um, uh, how cool it is on some of the ways that God provides sometimes. This is something that I could never, ever imagine or have done on my own, and yet God opened a door and asked me to just walk through it. And so I did, and it was, it was pretty cool. Well... Another challenge we'll, we'll face is uh, how, will we, how will we keep our commitments? Our life, our character, our destiny are all shaped and destined by the commitments we make and, and what kind of follow-through we have. And so the problem we have today is that most folks are half committed or half committed to a dozen or more things. We've got a thousand things that stretch us in our lives instead of being totally committed and really serious about one or two things in life that really matter for both now and for eternity. Ecclesiastes 5.4 uh, says it this way. If you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God is not happy with fools, so give God what you promised. Let me ask you, what commitments have you made lately to God that you've uh, let slack off? I'm not calling you a room of slackers. I'm just saying sometimes we make a commitment to God and then we don't follow through. Ecclesiastes 8.5 goes on and, and, and says it this way, The wise person will find time and the way to do what they say. You see, weak people make excuses. Wise people find the time and the way to do what they say they'll do. The hallmark, the, the example and illustration of emotional and spiritual maturity as we grow in God is that we make and we keep Wise commitments. This is one of the major faults, I believe, um, in, in our culture today. People give up before hanging in there to make it through. Uh, we, 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 our attention span is so short, our patience level is so short. Just because we have a tough time, we bail and we give out too soon. Scripture tells us in Psalm 15:4, God blesses the person who keeps his vows, even when it causes pain even when it hurts. Well, listen, there's one more challenge important to touch on this morning because we face it again and again and again and again. And it deals with the issue of our priorities and confronts us with this last question, who and what is first in our life? We sang about it earlier this morning. One of the greatest promises of the Bible that deals directly with this question Is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. This is a life verse for me. It's just something that God has used to impact my life and refresh my spirit and renew my mind. And it says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. King James Version says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Seeking God first, giving him first place in everything, in every aspect of our lives. You see, God has promised to provide for every one of our legitimate needs, our emotional, financial, physical, relational, spiritual, if we put him first in every area of our life. Any of you watch that poker show, you know, where they go, I'm all in. This morning, are you all in for God? Are, 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 is he really first place where things just don't have a value when they're compared to him? That's what he's talking about as our provider. And so how do we, um, how do we know how we can tell if God is really number one? Well, just ask yourself these sim- three simple questions. Um, first is, what do I think about most? When you have free time, What does your mind naturally wander towards? Whatever you think about is the most important thing to you. And then second, where does your money go? The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also in Matthew 6.21. Our stewardship determines what is of really value to us, what we value most. And third, um, how do you spend your time? Because this really reveals true priorities in our life. You see, you don't have to be a prophet to see what's at the top of your hit parade. Um, the way you allocate your budget, how you manage your schedule, and what you think about most often is what's really driving and controlling your life today. Now, let me just wrap it up um, by asking you to think about your greatest challenge right now. Uh, what is it? Is it how you are handling stress? How you're dealing with disappointment? Are you keeping your commitments? Um, maybe you're wrestling with what's first in your life? I understand you may feel fatigued. I know that, that maybe you're tired or you feel weak, or, or you're worn out, and, and, and you don't even have the energy, you don't feel like you have the energy to muster any level of faith whatsoever. But I want you to remember, I want the, here's the takeaway, I want you to remember God's promising word. Isaiah, he says it through Isaiah 30, 15, this is what God says, if you come back to me and trust me, you'll be saved and you'll be strong. Wherever you're at today, receive these things that you'll be saved, and God will give you strength. God is the one who provides for all of us in our needs. Amen and amen. Let me invite the musicians back. They're going to lead us in a worship song, and the ushers are going to come to help receive our tithes and offerings. Why don't you stand with me, and let's just pray together. Father God, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, we praise your name this morning forever and ever. Yours is the mighty power and glory and victory and majesty and everything in the heaven and the earth is yours, O oh Lord. And today we recognize this is your kingdom. We, we give you our worship and adore you as being in control of everything. We know that riches and honor come from you alone and you're the ruler of all, all of us. Your hands control power and might and it is at your discretion that the people are lifted up and made great and given strength. Oh, Father, we thank you and we praise your glorious name this morning. But who are we that we should be permitted to give anything to you? We recognize everything we have comes from you and we only give you what is already yours. Amen. Amen. All right, from your own mouths, today is the day. I was kidding around earlier with the first service that, um, see, even the seals know that it's today that, oh, 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 oh even the seals know that today's the day Jesus first and last let me pray for you I pray that that God who gives you hope will keep you happy and full of peace as you go and you believe in him I pray that God will help you overflow with his hope and his provision in him through the Holy Spirit's power to you amen and amen now have a great week this week having his enjoying his provision for you if you'd like prayer this morning Our prayer ministers here would be happy to pray with you. If you just want to come up, there'll be several here. The rest of you, today's the day. Have a great day. God bless you.